Good morning, people. Good morning. Let's worship together, shall we? Would you please stand and sing with us? Two, and one, two, three, four, and... Give thanks to the Lord, our God and King. His love endures forever. For He's good, He is above all things. His love endures forever. Sing praise, sing praise. With a mighty hand and outstretched arms, His love endures forever. For the life that's been reborn, Love endures forever. Sing praise, sing praise, sing praise, sing praise. Forever God is faithful, forever God is strong, forever God is with us, forever. setting sun his love endures forever and by the grace of god we will carry on his love endures forever sing praise sing praise sing praise sing praise forever god is faithful morning. It is so good to see you. We are having a winter clothes drive for Haven for Hope and a food drive for Holotus House of Neighborly Service this month. Collection boxes are in the narthex. We still need townspeople, shepherds, and angels for our living nativity. None of these are speaking parts. That means you do not have to have any lines to learn. And no complicated biblical names, which I will demonstrate later. I apologize in advance. If you were here for first service, you know it's a doozy. <laughs> From the book of Nehemiah, chapter 12, verses 27 through 46. And at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought the Levites out of all their places to bring them to Jerusalem to keep the dedication with gladness, both with thanksgivings and with singing with cymbals, psalteries, and with harps. And the sons of the singers gathered themselves together, both out of the plain country round about Jerusalem, from the villages of Natopatai, 
also from the house of Gilgal and out of the fields of Geba and Asmaeth, for the singers had builded them villages round about Jerusalem. And the priests and the Levites purified themselves and purified the people and the gates and the wall. Then I brought up all the princes of Judah upon the wall and appointed two great companies of them that gave thanks, whereof one went to the right hand upon the wall toward the dung gate. And after them went Hoshiah and half of the princes of Judah, and Ezriah, Ezra, and Meshulam, Judah, and Benjamin, and Shemaiah, and Jeremiah, and certain of the priest's sons with trumpets, namely Zechariah, the son of Jonathan, the son of Shemaiah, the son of Mataniah, the son of Micaiah, the son of Zakur, and the son of Asaph. And his brethren, Shemaiah, and Azrael, Mealai, Gilalai, Maenai, Nataniel, and Judah, Hanani with musical instruments of David, the man of God, and Ezra, the scribe, before them. And at the fountain gate, which was over against them, they went up by the stairs of the city of David, at the going up of the wall above the house of David, even unto the water gate eastward. And the other company of them that gave thanks went over against them, and I after them. And half of the people upon the wall, from beyond the tower of the furnaces, even unto the broad wall. And from above the gate of Ephraim, and above the old gate and above the fish gate, and the tower of Hananiel, and the tower of Miha, even unto the sheep gate, and they stood still in the prison gate. So stood the two companies of them that gave thanks in the house of God, and I, and the half of the rulers with me. And the priests, Eliakim, Measeah, Mianmin, Meachiah, Eloinah, Zechariah and Henani with trumpets, and Maaseah and Shemaiah and Eleazar and Uzi and Johanaim, Malachiim, Mal Malchiah, and Elam and Ezer. And the singers sang loud with Jezariah their overseer. Also that day they offered great sacrifices and rejoiced, for God had made them rejoice with great joy. The wives also and the children rejoiced, so that the joy of Jerusalem was heard even afar off. And at that time there were some appointed over the chambers for their treasures, for the offerings, for the first fruits, and for the tithes, to gather unto them out of the fields of the cities the portions of the law and for the priests and Levites. For Judah rejoiced for the priests and for the Levites that waited." And both the singers and the porters kept the ward of their God and the ward of the purification according to the commandment of David and of Solomon, his son. For in the days of David and Asaph of old, there were, there were chief of the singers and the songs of praise and thanksgiving unto God. The word of God for the people of God. Will you please join me now in prayer, because I'm pretty sure you were already. 
Loving God, we gather in this place today to worship you and give you thanks. We praise you for your never-ending love and grace. Let us always remember to think on things that are good, pure, perfect, and excellent. Open our hearts and our understanding this morning as your word is proclaimed. Guide us with your Holy Spirit so that we may give thanks in all things. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Man, there's so much more life than first service. You guys had your coffee. I love it. Uh, I just have a few quick announcements because I know how much you've missed them, so I saved them up for today. Uh, the children's ministry has a couple things coming up. On December 11th, we'll have our December kids party. It's a birthday party for Jesus. And we will be meeting here uh, at, uh, from 4 to 7 p.m., excuse me, parents. And you can drop them off and run out and do the shopping you might need to do that night. And we will watch them and fill them up with cake and then send them back home to you. Uh, the sign-up sheet for that or the invites for that are outside in the lobby. Or you can email me at children at hhumc.com to RSVP your kiddos. Then we have our children's nativity the very next day, so not too much cake. December 12th, here at 10 a.m., we'll meet and get together and practice it in the sanctuary. And then we will perform the nativity during the 11 o'clock service at children's time. Your kiddos' parts and costumes and all of that good stuff will be assigned when we arrive on the 12th. And then last but not least, I don't know if you've heard this yet, but we're having a cantata. We kind of do it every year. And once again, Kathy's decided that we need to try to put as many musicians in here as we physically can. And it's going to be amazing. So we have a 17-piece orchestra coming for our cantata. And it will be at nine, 11 and 7. I flipped those in my head. 11 and 7. My point being is that we have nursery care for that, for kids four and under, and all other children are invited to join us in service to hear the amazing, awesome music that will be happening. So, lots of stuff coming up, right? Oh, and then there's Christmas, but we already knew that, right? All right. I'd like to invite the ch children to come forward. How do the parents have more energy than the kids right now? What's going on? You know, this time of year, I start thinking about stuff. I'm pretty deep. I don't know if you guys know that. And I think about a lot of things. Like today I was thinking, what in the world did our lay readers do to upset Pastor Jim so much and get that scripture to read? <laughs> My goodness gracious. But I also think about things like, have you ever noticed, and maybe you will as you get older, that the closer people get to Thanksgiving and to the holidays, to Christmas, the busier things seem to get, right? All of a sudden, you have stuff going on at school. Like maybe if you're in concert or band, you have, you have performances coming up. Or there's different things going on with sports teams. And everybody's doing the shopping and the preparing and the planning. And we got to get the trips packed and all that stuff, right? Things happen. Yeah, your mom does that? And she's already on a trip to Big She's already on a trip. Well, then. <laughs> That's awesome and wonderful for her. But we get busy, right? We get busy at the holidays. And I don't know about you guys, but I notice that the grown-ups tend to stress out. The, the kids don't stress out so much. They just want to know that there's going to be rolls at Thanksgiving dinner to eat. But the, the grown-ups stress out. And suddenly, it seems like there are more people everywhere. And you can't go to a store and be able to walk down the aisles without running into a ton of people. And there are more cars on the road. And there's just, there's just more, right? There's more frustration with situations, there's more, I don't know, sometimes I would even say anger driving down 1604 happening, just there's more of the rush and the anxiety and the stress. 
And it makes me think of different sayings that I learned growing up. And I wanted to see if you guys know them. Okay, you ready? The first saying is, have you ever heard this? The grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. Ruby's heard it, right? The grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. Or you can't change yesterday, but you can ruin today by worrying about tomorrow. Have you heard that before? We cannot change yesterday, but we can ruin today by worrying about tomorrow. What about, here's one that I know you've heard. Whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I heard that at first service, Mom. And then, my last one, ready? One small leak can sink a ship. Have you heard that before? Now, these, these phrases, they're common sayings that talk about a variety of different things, right? And sometimes they're used for jealousy or for, for um, your attitude and stuff like that. But to me, at this time of year especially, I see stuff about worry and anxiety and stress in each one of those, right? Because if you're talking about a small leak that can sink a ship, right? When we get tunnel focus on a single worry, what happens? We don't pay attention to anything else, right? So if I get tunnel focus on a single worry in my life, I can miss out on everything that's happening around me. And my entire day can go down the drain. My entire holiday can go down the drain. My entire trip that I might be taking because I'm so focused on one tiny thing might be completely ruined because of that worry, right? Or if I, if I fully believe, if I'm worried, and I'm so fully worried that I am not smart enough or strong enough or good enough to do something, I just can't do it, right? If you believe that you can't do something, you, you will not do it. It's not possible. So if you worry about, if you worry about not being able to do it, you're right, you won't be able to do it. But what about, can you change yesterday? Can we change what happened yesterday? No, so if we worry about what happened yesterday, what happens? It'll ruin today. Can we change what's gonna happen tomorrow? Not necessarily, right? We can't control the future. So if we're worried about tomorrow, we're not focused on today, and we're going to miss out on the beautiful things that are happening right here and right now today. We're going to ruin today, stressing about something we can't control another day. And what about this is a good one. Okay, so if the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence, you guys are too young for social media, and I thank God for that. But one day, you are going to have a social media account, and you're going to see pictures of people's perfect lives, right? snapshots in time. That's what a picture is. It's even like it's half a second and it's just a picture and people choose the pictures that they put online and they say, look how beautiful my family is. Look how beautiful my house is. Look how great my life is, right? They, it could be bragging or boasting. You're right. They could be sharing pictures with family, but what, what happens when I compare my life to those pretty snapshots? If I'm looking at my friend's lives and think, man, Jenny has got her life completely together. Look at her beautiful family with all of her girls, and she's never angry at them. And how in the world does she do that? She's the perfect parent. And I start worrying about why I'm not the perfect parent like Jenny is. What happens to my life? Does her life get affected by that? No? no? Thanks for being my example. I love you. <laughs> no, it doesn't, it doesn't ruin Jenny's life by my focusing on her and worrying about how she does that. It messes with mine, right? And we don't know the struggles that are behind those pictures. We don't know that why that grass is greener on that side of the fence, but we're so focused on it and we so worry about it that it spirals into this big snowball that we can't control. Worry and stress and anxiety, they are all hard things that we all have to cope with, but none of them mix with faith. They're like oil and water. 
You cannot have faith and trust God and still worry about how he's going to take care of tomorrow. If you trust him, you know he's going to take care of it, and that's the end of the story, right? So I want you guys, as we're learning today, we're going to learn about this uh, book in the Bible. It's in the Bible. That's where the books are. It's in Philippians, and it's written by Paul, and he told us a way that we could focus on getting rid of worry, right? He tells us, give all of your problems to God. God. Give all your worries, your concerns, your cares. Give them to God. Tell him about it, about every single tiny thing, every single big thing. He can candle it, and then give thanks for what he has done for you. Because guys, if we stop focusing on those worries and we start focusing on the good things that we have, if I start looking at, okay, maybe Jenny's life is different than mine, but this is things that God's done for me, and I don't know if God's done those for Jenny. She might have had other blessings in her life. Then I focus on the good. My life will get better, my worry will get less, right? Absolutely. We can do that in our own lives, and Paul gives us more examples of how to do that. That's what we're gonna focus on in Spark Worship today. But I wanna leave you with one more quote, okay? So when we're worried, we're going to let go, and we're going to let God, right? We're going to let go of that worry, and we're going to give it to God and let him take care of it, okay? Will you guys bow your heads and pray with me? Bow your heads, fold your hands, close your eyes, and say, Dear God, help us to focus our thoughts on you and to thank you, Lord, for taking care of tomorrow. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, we're going to exit out the back for spark worship. I'll start our rainbows and rattlesnakes with the rainbow it is to see all of you here on this Sunday before Thanksgiving. Praise the Lord. It's good to see all of you. And wow, again, you know, what great weather we're enjoying, huh? That's just great. I, uh, I've almost gotten finished re-staining re our deck. My plan is to finish this afternoon. Uh, I got a good bit of it done last week, and I got some done late yesterday afternoon. So praise the Lord because everything's just right. Before the winter storms begin, right, as the song says. So praise the Lord. What other rainbows and or rattlesnakes do we have to share this morning? Just a, a wonderful rainbow for that um, Thanksgiving service that we had next door with the other churches. It was just lovely. Yeah, it, it really was. Oh, Lord, we pray. And I'm negligent, too. I wanted a rainbow. We, we, uh, we sent off 202 shoeboxes last week. So, yeah. So. Oh, Lord, we pray. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we do thank you for this day and everything that you bless us with. We thank you particularly that we can come together to give thanks because it's always appropriate for us to be thankful. We praise you for that. Lord, we lift up those we've named and many who are unnamed who need healing in their bodies, their minds, or their souls. Lord, we, we lift up those anywhere who are in areas of violence or war. We pray for peace. We lift up the leaders of our country and, and all countries that they would seek and do your will and that your children would live together in peace and harmony. Lord, we lift up the 17 missionaries that are who were kidnapped in Haiti, we ask, Lord, that you would be with them 
and encourage them, strengthen them. We lift up our Christian brothers and sisters who are in Afghanistan and any American citizens still in Afghanistan. We lift them up for safety and deliverance. Lord, we lift up those anywhere who don't have the basic necessities of life. Remind us often of our blessings. Lead us to share them with others. Lord, open our ears and our hearts and our understanding this morning as your word is proclaimed. Let it infuse us that we would be better followers of Jesus who taught us to pray saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. It's that time of year when children look for things to be coming their way, right? And adults, too, often. And it reminds me, and I was thinking this week, of our grandson, Asher. Asher really likes trains. He's, he's into trains big time, as I know some of the people in our congregation are. They're into trains big time, right? And that's a good thing. Everybody needs a hobby or an interest. Asher's interest tie right in with our topic this morning, what we're talking about. We're talking about our thoughts, what we think. Because after all, the only thing you really have to deal with are your thoughts. That's it. If you get your, if you get your attitude in the right place, uh, attitude adjustment, as some people would say, everything else sort of falls into place. And it's, it, it really is the key to the kingdom, the way we think about things and what we do. And God's always calling us up higher to, to think higher things and to do better things and to seek for excellence. So our daughter Katie reads to Asher and one of the books she reads him is that classic by uh, Waddy Piper called The Little Engine That Could, right? The Little Engine That Could, which is such a great story. Those are the kinds of stories that children need to be read uh, as far as I'm concerned because it's got uh, a great, great moral. You know, y'all know the story. There was a train, and the train had all sorts of good things, toys for children, right? And the train was going down the track. And it, not only did it have toys for children, it had all sorts of good things to eat, right? 
like we're going to be doing this week, eating all sorts of good things, you know. But the train broke down. Bummer, right? The train broke down, and there were several trains that came by that had the capacity to alleviate the situation and take the train to its destination over the mountain, right? But they were either too good to do it or too busy to do it and uh, went on down the track. But then the little engine that could, the little blue engine came along, right? The little blue engine came along. And the little blue engine considered the situation and thought, wow, that's a pretty, pretty big load. But I think I can do it, right? I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. You know, that's nice there, too. What is that? That's sort of, I guess that's a type of alliteration, isn't it? The, the words making the same sound as a train chugging along. And sure enough, the little engine that thought it could did. It pulled the other train over the mountain, and when it was all over, the little engine that could said, I thought I could, I thought I could, I thought I could, right? And, uh, and that's, uh, that's it. Today's reading comes from Paul's letter to the people at Philippi. Philippi was a Roman city, and anybody that lived in Philippi had the same privileges of any Roman citizen that actually lived in Rome. Philippi was a lot like San Antonio. They had a lot of retired Roman soldiers that lived in Philippi. For some reason or other, they went to Philippi to retire. A lot of them did, and anyway, they were hanging out there. Well, now, when Paul, Paul had established a church in Philippi, which, uh, by the way, Philippi was named for Philip of Macedon, right, who was Alexander the Great's father. So if you're, you know, if you're, if you're a hot shot like that, you get all sorts of stuff named after you. You know, Thessalonica was named after his sister, and Philippi was named after his father. And, of course, Alexandria was named for Alexander. But anyway, enough of that. Paul, when he wrote this letter to the Philippians, was in prison in Rome, okay? So that's an inspirational place to be, to be writing positive, think, think positive things, right? I mean, I'm sure, I'm, sure the, I'm sure the prison in Rome there was probably next to the Hilton as far as amenities, right? Hot and cold running water, you know, good food, probably a, a sleep number mattress, right? All those sorts of things. But Paul knew the secret. He knew the secret. It was casting down the negative thoughts and keeping up the positive thoughts and having a can-do attitude, which he had all the time. Our reading does come from not Malachi, but Philippians. The fourth chapter, starting with the fourth verse, consider these words. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness, or you can also translate that, and I like to, your graciousness. Your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. 
And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. The word of the Lord for the people of the Lord. Please be in prayer with me and for me. Gracious and loving God, we do thank you again for everything you bless us with. I ask, Lord, that you would let your words fill us, that we would be more like Jesus every day. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So, now we talked before, and Paul brought it up again here in his letter to the Philippians, which again he wrote while he was in prison in Rome. Okay? You know, he wasn't sitting out on some hillside listening to the birds and watching the stream and smelling the wildflowers. He was in a prison in Rome when he was writing this. And he reiterates what we talked about last week out of his book to the folks in Thessalonica, and that is that we should always rejoice, pray, and be thankful. He expands upon it and gives us some other things that we ought to be in the process of doing and in the habit of doing, things that allow us to say, I think I can, right? I think I can. The first thing he brings up here is that we should be gracious. We should be gracious. We should let other people know us by our graciousness because the Lord is near, he says there. Now, when I was thinking about this, I was thinking, you know, we think, we sort of think of Paul, I think, as some sort of superhero of the Bible or something. You know, say, you know, well, yeah, this is it's okay for Paul to say this sort of stuff. But what about me, right? He doesn't, you know, he doesn't know what I've gone through uh, this week. So I thought it would be fun if we looked at a few other people in the Bible that did what Paul suggests that we do here other than Paul or Jesus or the normal cast of characters that we think about. And the first one there again is to be gracious. Well, I still think the most gracious person I can think of in the Bible is a person that's not even named. It's not even named. In 2 Kings chapter 5, we read about a young girl who's been taken captive. She's been kidnapped, okay? She's been kidnapped by the Arameans, and she is now a servant in the house of Naaman, who is the general for the armies of Aram. And Naaman, remember, is a leper, right? He's a leper. Well, now, 
if you had been kidnapped and possibly some of the members of your family killed and you were on the short end of a bad battle, do you think you would be doing like Jesus said and praying for your enemies, right? But this young girl, this young girl showed graciousness. She did the right thing. And she said, she told, she told Naaman's wife, she said, if only my master knew that there was a prophet in Samaria. She was saying, if only Naaman knew that I serve the true God and the true God can heal him, then everything would be okay for him. And ultimately it was. We can, you, can, you can read that story again, 2 Kings chapter 5. So if you think you can, you can be gracious. You know, she could, have, she could have turned the other way, right? She could have been bitter. She could have been bitter and not done the right thing. But again, that's a, that's a wonderful word, isn't it? Bitter. Because bitter is one of those words, all you have to do is, you know, I'll, I'll buy a vowel. Change the I to an E, right? And you get better instead of bitter. And that's what she did because she thought she could. We can all be gracious if we think we can. If we think we can. And then Paul says that not only should we be gracious, we should be non-anxious. We shouldn't worry. And again, if there's anything the Bible teaches us or tells us, it's not to worry, right? We're fixing, I mean, we're, we're fixing to enter into the season of the angels saying, fear not, right? Fear not. For today I bring you good news of great joy to all people. But Paul says we shouldn't be anxious for anything. We should let our requests be known to God. Now, when I was thinking about a, an example of some common people who were anxious or non-anxious, I couldn't help but think about Martha and Mary, right? Martha and Mary in Luke chapter 10. You know, and it's also perfect for this week, right? Doesn't get any better than that. You know, the, Jesus and some of his uh, followers had come to Martha and Mary's house there, and Martha is going frantic. She's trying to make the food and make sure that everything looks right and on the table and all that sort of stuff. And Mary plops down in front of Jesus to listen to him, right? And, of course, Martha, which, which what happens a lot of times when we forget that we can and we think we can't, starts complaining to Jesus, right? Jesus, don't you care that Mary isn't helping me? Yeah. And what did Jesus say? He said, Martha, Martha. You were worried and bothered about many things, right? But Mary has chosen the better part, the one thing, the one thing that's really important. All this other stuff is unimportant, right? If the turkey's a little burned, so what, you know? If the dressing's too dry, you know, drink some more water, you know? If the, if the pumpkin pie doesn't come out right, have a slice of chocolate. But Mary has chosen the better thing. And what? It can't be taken from her. It can't be taken from her. 
you know. Mary knew if she wanted to, she could be non-anxious. If you think you can, you don't have to worry. And then Paul says, if you think you can, you can think about things that are good and pure and perfect and lovely and of good report. Excellent things, excellent things, right? If you think you can, you can do excellence. And I think about three people in particular here. Uh, two of them are Joshua and Caleb, right? And Joshua, of course, took over after Moses stepped down from the leadership of Israel, or the Hebrews at that time, actually. When the 12 spies went into the land of Canaan, and they were asked to come back and give a report, right? Ten of them said, oh, this is horrible. These people are going to step on us like grasshoppers, right? Or we look like grasshoppers compared to them, right? Joshua and Caleb said, no way. This is good. We can take this land. We can do it. Joshua was a big person who said, I think I can, because he thought about the right things. And then the other example I think of is Job, right? Good old Job. He had all this stuff happen to him, right? I have a question for you. Can you think of something you were really worried about over the past week? Did it happen? I don't know what the true percentage is, but I would argue that it's way up there. People stew over stuff that doesn't ever even happen, right? As the expression goes, a lot of times we live in the wreckage of our future, you know, not in the wreckage of our past. And the only thing, the only thing we can do to have a good future is to, again, take control of our thoughts and think the right things and not think the wrong things, right? Well, Job did that, right? I mean, everything fell apart for Job. Uh, it's horrible. And the Bible tells us that in all these things, Job did not sin and he didn't blame God. He kept excellent thoughts. And you can read, read Job chapter 31. He tells you exactly what he did, what he did to maintain his integrity. You know, his wife, his wife told him that he should forget his integrity, curse God, and die. You know? You know, and you know what he told his wife. He said, you sound like a foolish woman, right? So uh, something a lot of men would like to say to their wives, but most of them don't have the courage to do it, right? But, but Job did. He had integrity, and, and, and he did it because uh, she told him that he should curse God, which, of course, he knew better then. He knew that God had made him. He knew that, as it says in uh, Job 19.25, I know my Redeemer lives, and I'll see him, right? Job knew that. Job had good thoughts. He knew what was going on. Job knew, I can. I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. And he did. Everything came out good in the end. So this morning, as we consider the things we are thankful for, we should perhaps be most thankful for the fact that God gave us the ability 
to think. And we have control over our thoughts. Nobody else does. You give it away if you let somebody else control your thoughts. You are sovereign over your thoughts. God made us that way. And if you think you can, you can. So this morning, the good news is, if you want to deliver goodness to all the people around you, it's really pretty simple. You can be gracious. You can be non-anxious. You can set yourself about doing excellent things if you think you can. Amen? Now go in peace, and as you go, think you can do the right thing, and be thankful for that. And do it with the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the unity of the Holy Spirit. Amen.